Hi, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Relay Essay, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. Each person we interview suggests a few names of folks we should interview next, passing on the baton along from interview to interview, hence the title, Relay Essay. This interview is part of a relay that started back in my very first ever Relay Essay interview with Ryerson's Jen Gonzalez. In that interview, Jen suggested a few folks that I should speak with next. One of those people was Kate Taylor Esquini. Kate is one of Jen's colleagues at Ryerson University, and I was grateful that she was able to make some time to sit down with me for an interview. I met with her in her office in the pod building at Ryerson, just a few steps away from Young Dundas Square in downtown Toronto. In our conversation, we covered a lot of ground, including, but not limited to, Kate's excellent TED Talk, leadership, pet therapy, and how sports contribute to leadership development. We had a great time, and I hope you like it. Hello. Hi, Adam. Hi, Kate. So, uh, who are you? I'm Kate. Um, I do leadership slash CCR stuff here at Ryerson. Currently, my position is untitled. So I can be whatever I want to be. Oh, you're so Ryerson, so creative. I'm going to make no titles here. <laughs> I prefer it that way. <laughs> um, and where are we located currently? Uh, in the basement, there is one window leading out to the outside hallway, but we are in the podium building at Ryerson University, Office Pod 62C. Feel free to stop by whenever you'd like. And we're yeah, we're at Ryerson in the heart of downtown Toronto. And we're here because... Uh, in episode one of season one, Jen yeah. Gonzalez could pick from anyone on the planet to refer <laughs> for to be interviewed next as part of the relay, and she yeah. named you. So here uh, we are. So amazing. Excited. I've got a whole list <laughs> of questions. Um, but the first one is uh, one of the things that Jen suggested as a way to open up conversation is where are you local to? So uh, yeah. instead of saying where are you from or yeah. what's your background, where are you local to? That's so U of T of you. <laughs> um, I <learned> from Jen. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually from Sydney, Nova Scotia, so uh, located in Cape Breton. Uh, I grew up in Sydney um, and moved to Ryerson to go to school when I was 18. Okay. And what is Sydney known for? Um, What is Sydney known for? Uh, Keeping it fairly PG. Um, (laughs) Steel. Um, I grew up in a a steel town, so steel, coal, um, industry, and beautiful scenery in Cape Breton, obviously. Oh my gosh, yeah. Not a whole lot to do. And then what brought you to Ryerson? Basketball. Okay. I'm not, uh, well, basketball kind of. Um, my father got transferred to Toronto when I was in my uh, grade 11 year. So I stayed okay. home to, to finish high school and I um, lived with my grandmother and helped her take care of my grandfather. And I moved up. Um, Ryerson was actually one of the first places that I, um, that I looked at for ball. So I had sent an email out to the coach. She got back to me right away, was interested. The rest is history. That's Didn't amazing. Really apply. I started to apply to U of T, and then I stopped my application. But you, because of because I heard back from the coach, and I was like, really, all I want to do is play basketball, so I'll figure the rest of it out later. And so then what did you, what were you looking for academically to study? I had no idea. Okay, yeah. so a true story. We didn't have any of the, like, oof university fair stuff. Right. So um, Googling universities in Toronto, Ryerson, York, and U of T came up. Um and those were those were I thought my options and then I thought I could take either a Bachelor of Arts a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Business Management 
so I was terrible at science. I nearly failed grade 11 physics. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like, who takes an arts degree anyway? Uh, so <laughs> I ended up in business because I wanted to wear a suit to work. Um, so but then all about the fashion. All about the fashion. <laughs> uh, I transferred out of business immediately following my first semester and did my arts degree. Amazing. Yeah. When I started, I was in a general degree. I had no idea. I just was like, I want to pick at the buffet of like <laughs> academia. I just took every course. And... So what did you, what was your undergrad in? Uh, ended up de- doing theater. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So here I am. <laughs> here I am. Um, Awesome. So then we're, so athletics, I think that was one of the things that Jen had said, that your path was kind of Mm -hmm. um, non-traditional. A lot of people who are getting involved with student life kind of are involved as student leaders in kind of a, either res life or a peer helper or different ways or student government kind of come up that way. That wasn't your path. No. So it was all, was it all basketball all the time? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I actually commuted my first year from Whitby, um, and Ryerson at that time, so I, I came in 04, um, graduated in 09, and Ryerson at that time was smaller than it is now. Sure. Um, and I wasn't aware of anything, any of the services that were um, available on campus. It was literally, I would get the train in from Whitby at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, gosh. I'd go to basketball practice, I'd go to class, I'd go to the gym, I'd go back to class, I'd hop on the train and go home. So it was my first year, it was, like, it was, it was tough, it was really brutal. And then um, it wasn't until my third year where I kind of got introduced to the world of um, student affairs. Okay. Um, in between my third and fourth year, I actually helped, I don't know how I ever got hired on for this position, um, but uh, Chad Nuttall and Glenn Wepler uh, saw something and they brought me on to help coordinate. Just um, like walking the, down the street. Walking, like, hey, 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 you! <laughs> Um, <laughs> to coordinate uh, housing orientation um, nice. at Ryerson, having never lived in residence and not knowing a whole lot about it, but uh, went pretty well. And then um, the following year, I helped with campus-wide orientation, which kind of opened the door for oh. a couple of uh, short-term contracts. And then here I am. Here we are. <laughs> and so what's your job? So you're kind of in this hybrid game. Yeah. I know that you were kind of building the leadership development program yep. mm-hmm. kind of from scratch. Yep. Um, but then now you're focusing on, like, the co-curricular record stuff. Yeah. So is that what your day-to-day is like? Uh, kind of, yeah. So um, I jumped into leadership uh, in the summer of 2014, and it was pretty much building the program from scratch. It had existed a few years prior to me jumping into it, but it wasn't um, wasn't where it needed to be. So okay. um, I jumped into the role, started to build the program, and uh, this past June with Ryerson's um, pushed towards a co-curricular recognition program, uh, given some of the work that I had done on our collegial link platform. Um, and with leadership, it was seemed to be a good fit. Um, so we're working on that now. So my day-to-day right now is uh, helping to work out the kinks that are currently existing okay. in our CCR pilot program. Oh, that never happens. I know. Systems and platforms. Isn't that funny? Oh um, and, and doing some leadership stuff as well. So we have a really great new staff member, Cassie Anton, who's taking over the day-to-day of the leadership stuff. And we have a, a lot of conversations and just continuing pushing that programming forward. Awesome. How's it going? It's going. Yep. Uh, it's going. It's going. It's, it's an interesting process. Um, and getting to see some of the great work that some institutions are already doing and being able to utilize that and pull that into what we're doing while, of course, adding a Ryerson spin to it um, has been fun. It's been fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing the data that comes out of it because we launched two main campus in September. So right now there's only about 200 students in the pilot. Nice. 
Yeah. And are you still coaching? No, I stopped coaching this year. So, um, yeah, I stopped coaching this year. We went OUAs last year and I hung up my shoes. That's a good, it's good to go out on. I know. I know. How was it balancing kind of like still kind of having both feet in both worlds kind of you're balancing all of it all at the same time? Yeah, it was tough. Um, but when I started coaching, I was in a role, um, where I needed that extra, that little extra at the end of the day. So I would, I would come in and I would work and it was, it was totally fine. And then basketball was what I had to look forward to. So I coached for, yeah, I coached for four years. And then once I kind of shifted to the leadership staff and started doing the CCR staff, um, it just, it was very fulfilling and, um, I needed basketball less and less to get that fulfillment. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was getting to be a lot. It was an additional 20 to 40 hours a week on top of my regular Ooh. work schedule. So. And was there a way that your work as a coach was informing your mm-hmm. development of the leadership yeah. program or vice versa? Both. Like a hundred percent. And, I think I my perspective on student affairs and how I do my work is definitely influenced by my time as a student athlete and still with my connection to athletics. Um, but it was really cool to see how the athletes connect to main campus because our building is a block away. It's not considered main campus, mm-hmm. even though it's literally a block away. Right. Um, and how they connect and how I could bring the athletes that I was connected to into what we were doing in student life and student affairs. And then also um, understanding their perspective from a student athlete's kind of lens and figuring out how we can bring all of the great qualities that um, that they hold as student athletes and as leaders on campus and incorporate that into our programming mm. to push out to the rest of the university. Are there any like examples or kind of um, ways that that kind of played out? Yeah, good question. Um, we So we started a couple of years ago a um, kind of building on the work that we were doing here, uh, piloting a uh, leadership program for student-athletes oh, up cool. in athletics. Okay. Um, and it was a way for us to kind of pilot some of the work that we were doing with a very specific demographic that we were then able to take back to other specific demographics on campus and use the same, use the same content because... The, the richness of the of the conversation comes from the shared experiences of the students participating in it, right? Sure. Um, so we were able to do that, which was which was awesome. And then me kind of using my connections to bring some of the athletes to main campus because it wasn't until later in my my playing career that I realized how valuable that that experience is. So the more I can kind of link into to main campus earlier, the the better I felt about it. Gotcha. Um so, does your family know what you do? <laughs> and if not, or if so, how do you explain it? How do you explain yeah, it to Yeah, I don't think my family like... knows what they do half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do, no, kind of. Um, they know that I can afford my mortgage and <laughs> I can drive my car to visit them once in a while. Um, I, I don't think they truly grasp it. Uh, my mom came out to an event last year where I think she started to understand what I do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of my family back home, I'll call my grandmother once a week. And she knows that I'm walking to and from work when I call her and that I do have a job, but I think that's about it. And in terms of how I explain it, I just, 
I don't know how I explain it, actually. I just talk about leadership. Yeah. I think that's it. And stuff outside the classroom, which they, they grasp a little bit because it's what my basketball career was, right? Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I always like that question because everyone has different answers. Yeah. Because some people are like, oh, they have no idea. And some people are like, oh, they just assume a professor and I haven't corrected them. Yeah, that's a good point, too. <laughs> and I like, oh, some people think I'm a guidance counselor, but in residence, like, people have a diff- different oh, variations of how so... they explain it. I think my grandmother's asked me if I've taught classes. I'm like, mm, sort of. of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, one, in preparation for this interview, in my yes. rigorous oh research my and preparation phase mm-hmm. um, to speak with you, Kate... Um, I came across your TEDx talk. Okay. Uh, what was the process like of preparing that or getting involved with um, the TEDx Ryerson experience? It was um, it was unexpected and, and pretty interesting. I had never really done anything like that before, and I got an email last September. I was actually out walking the dog, and I got the email. I was like, hmm, that looks like fun. Sure, why not? Sounds good. Um, but the process for preparation, I'm someone who likes to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit, um, which works for some things and not for others. Right. Uh, I don't know if Jen mentioned anything along those lines during the <laughs> conversation with you. Um, but uh, it was it was a lot of preparation. It was writing it out, making edits to it, and then practicing and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing, mm. which is something... Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Mm. I know. Unless it's basketball, which is, I can relate to. It was not. It was standing up in front of, I don't know, 300 people and, and telling them what I thought about leadership. Some of them took it, some of them didn't, and I watched it back once. <laughs> well, and I was watching it yesterday, and I, like, I really quite liked it. Um, I liked a lot of it. How did you come up with your, like, your themes and your stories, and oh. how did you decide how you're going to frame it? Thanks. Um, when I was writing it, a lot of, a lot of it, like, a lot of it, the theory behind it, I should say, um, is a result of a lot of the stuff I did my master's degree. My master, I did my master's in leadership at Royal Roads, um, graduated in 2015, and it really changed my perspective on, on leadership and just kind of life in general. So when I started to pick apart my favorite pieces mm. and my personal kind of belief in, in leadership in terms of... Um, Everybody having the capacity and the ability to lead, just wanting to take that step to do so. Right. Um, just personal stories kind of started to come to mind and how I ended up in the position that I'm in now and where that all came from. It was it was interesting, but it just all kind of seemed to flow into, into place. Mm-hmm. So you said that the masters kind of mm-hmm. helped shape your, your viewpoint. In what way? What were you researching or studying? Yeah. Um, my... My major research project was on um, enhancing the leadership capacity of student-athletes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, I did my research at Ryerson. Um, they were kind enough in the athletic department to, to let me in and, and to, um, to conduct my research there. But it was a process of um, self-realization kind of and, mm. and the development of an increased self-awareness over the course of the first year and it was really the way that they had the program set up was really cool and um, the relationships that I built with the people that I was taking the program with at that time has stood for the past four years since we started that's so awesome because you don't often hear that about yeah um, 
programs of that model, right? Mm-hmm. People think that you just fly in, fly out, but you've got these really great connections and relationships. Yeah, the way that they kind of facilitated the two weeks. So the, the model itself is two weeks on campus, a year off campus doing courses and the second year doing your research project and then coming back so you're on campus twice for two weeks but everybody's living in residence everybody's going back and forth to the same class um it just kind of allows for that culture to be to be built and and then maintained through the online coursework too Mm -hmm. so my brother did his master through all the roads really conflict one okay but he which is funny because i think he's really great at I don't think he listens to this podcast, so uh, I could talk fairly <laughs> so about you're that. So you're good. But he did it living in rural Nova, Nova Scotia okay. on dial-up on a complete opposite time oh, zone from all of his group friends. So oh I think my he, gosh. Yeah, he would go to like a Holiday Inn parking lot to steal their Wi-Fi. Stop. Yeah, hysterical. Um, anyhow, sorry. That's what, a tangent. So would he, go, he would go to, cl- the, to campus twice. Those, yeah. Same thing. Same yeah. model. To the X-Mansion. Oh yeah. my gosh. 100%. Yeah. They do like the, the opening receptions and stuff there. It's amazing. Beautiful. So cool. Um, okay, so a bit of a detour into yeah. your story about your masters. But mm-hmm. the one one of the things that I wrote down that I I mean I loved so much about your TED talk was the shirt metaphor. <laughs> Do you want to explain for our for our listeners what you what you were speaking about in that moment? Yeah. Okay. So to set it up a little bit, if I'm framing it correctly, it was um, it was a year ago, but basically talking about leadership as as not a one-size-fits-all. So um, leadership, depending on who you are, can be um, exhibited in different ways. So whether you're someone who likes to get up in front of a room and have a conversation and give a TED Talk, or whether you're somebody who's behind the scenes or you're volunteering at your commu- in your community or whatever it may be, um, just trying to, to frame it in the sense that you don't have to be the person that's in front of the room to make an impact on everyone around you. Right. So I, I use the example of <laughs> of, uh, of a gift that you get, and we have, they won't be listening to this podcast, they don't know, we have a family member who will give the, the most kindest, uh, generous gifts, but they never seem to, to fit right, and I was talking to my, my partner Nick about this, and, and, uh, and we were kind of, we were joking back and forth, but they never seem to fit right, but you always get the gift receipt, so you can take that gift receipt, and you can go back to, to Banana Republic and you can say, listen, I really appreciate this item of clothing, but there's a, a cat on the, on the front of it. I would prefer something without a cat on it. So you can <laughs> exchange it for something that's a little bit more your, more your style. So right. instead of kind of emulating what others are or what other people want you to be, yeah. it's about doing what you want to do and making a difference that way. Mm-hmm. And finding your own fit and finding your own shirt. And yeah. yeah. I just thought that was so, such a brilliant way to put it. Oh, thanks. As opposed to just like accepting whatever you think people want. Yeah. And finding your own shirt. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so what are, so what are some ways that we can help find students find their shirts? Oh, wow. So good. Um, I think it's, <laughs> you do this for a living? <laughs> a professional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do we help students find their shirts? I think it's the it's the diverse programming and it's finding um, finding ways to reach students where they are instead of trying to shape them into what we want them to be. Sure. So I think through so I mean student life and I think and leadership specifically, it's often students who are already interested in leadership and have an idea of what leadership is come to our programming. 
because they they think they already think that they're on the track to leadership. So one of one of the things that we're really trying to do is expose students, expose that eighty percent. So if you look at the ten eighty ten model, right. expose that eighty percent of students to all of the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So that they're going to want to come out and learn more. And learn that you don't need to be a leader by standard definition, whatever that is, um, to be part of our programming. And Mm -hmm. I think in student affairs in general, it's finding those, those niche groups of students and going to them with programming that is going to interest them, that's going to encourage them to want to dig a little bit deeper into whatever it is that, that we're trying to get across. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking to extend this like t-shirt idea. Yeah. We're not, we're not trying to be the only sellers on campus, right? Like people who buy their t-shirt with a club or in their faculty or on a basketball Mm -hmm. team or in a leadership certificate, but it's not. I think sometimes we think the places that we are running are the only places where people are going to do that. So let's, if we picture a campus being like, (laughs) yeah, like a mall, I don't know, (laughs) using this metaphor, but just really engaging and helping people feel excited to find a thing that where they can find a thing that fits them. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in one place. Absolutely. No, I totally, it makes, it makes sense though. Like who's, I guess, whose shirt are you wearing? Could it be like, are you wearing a shirt that you're comfortable wearing? Right. Are you fitting into where you want to fit into? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There is a scholarly paper. There is. Let's we can <laughs> start the ethics proposal now. Amazing. Shirts and leadership. I mean, maybe there's something already open. I'm sure around. there is. <laughs> um, and the other question is, what if what um, what about students who have like already found their shirt? They're wearing it. It fits. They're proud. I feel like sometimes when we have um, we have leadership development programs and yeah. we have like leadership engagement programs where yeah. we just point them in the right direction yeah. and kind of get them involved and. I don't know. Yeah. They're not two separate things, I don't think, but what if someone's kind of at a, a different level? Yeah, I agree. Well, and I think it's our hope, shameless plug for what we're doing with the CCR, is that um, it's our hope that students start to find themselves and and where they want to be early enough in um, in their time at Ryerson that, that they can then, in their third and fourth and fifth year, start to focus on, okay, how do I... How do I build on the stuff that I'm already good at? Right. How do I take that strengths-based approach um, and really focus on getting better in the things that I'm already good at and that yeah. I'm interested in? Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's the same approach where you're finding students and, and helping them along the way, but I think um, tiered programming is also super important. So yeah. appreciating that one size doesn't fit all, t-shirt metaphor, yeah. uh, <laughs> one size doesn't fit all. So how are we accommodating to the students that want to get engaged but don't know how and the students that are already engaged and want to bring themselves to the next level? Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've solved that, <laughs> um, you mentioned before when you were out walking the dog. Yeah. So tell me, tell everyone about your dog. Oh my gosh. I have some very exciting news to share. My dog, Benjamin, who's 130-pound new fee has just been certified as a therapy dog. Stop it. So he comes to Ryerson every Wednesday for the therapy dog program and chills out in my office for the day, and then he, he does his therapy dog session from 12 to 1, and he's uh, he comes to work with me on Wednesdays. 
That's amazing. Yes. Can you just paint a picture for people who don't know this mm-hmm. breed? Just, I, I, mean, I remember meeting Benjamin on the street one night, but yeah. what does he look like? He comes, he's pretty tall. Yeah, so he's... he's pretty enormous. I'm five, six, and if he stands on his back legs, he's as tall as I am. Okay. Uh, he's, he's probably up to my waist, I would say. He's black and white with, yeah, big oh. spots on him. He drools a lot. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> uh, he drools a ton, he sheds a ton, and you just have to get used to everything that comes along with all of the love that he has to share. <laughs> He's a big dude, for sure. We get stopped quite a bit. And I did, I had heard about his recent accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I just want to know, how's that going? How's the dog therapy going? How's Benjamin's involvement? Oh, it's good. You know what? Um, we have, so we have our therapy dog program here on campus. And every Wednesday, 12 to 1, um, we have this really great group of um, individuals from St. John Ambulance that come in and bring their dogs in. And students are able to come and check it out. And uh, It was kind of passed along to our area this past year when... Um, the person who was originally in charge of it went on parental leave, so we've been taking care of it a little bit this year, and Benjamin has been pretty good. He's going on week three on Wednesday. When I leave on Wednesdays, my office smells a little bit like dog, but it's always clean on Thursday morning, <laughs> so he's doing very well. And what's, like, the training process to get us certified? I don't know how he did it. I Just no. go and... He... So, okay, I'm gonna... Truth be told, he failed once. <laughs> 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 about but four years ago. Failure. Yeah. He's just yeah. looking for his the right shirt that fits. That's it. Um, <laughs> he failed about four years ago. He was still just a pretty wild, like a, a wild puppy, not so puppy. He's eight now, but um, he failed his first time. Resilience, like, it took a lot of uh, positive self-talk. And just really pushed him, pushed him to, to be better and to want to achieve more. And lo and behold, we took him and he passed Somehow, success. success. Success is nonlinear. I. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and now he's basically a student life professional. Yeah, right? pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty spectacular. He sits in the office most of the day, but. That's so cool. He is. Yeah, it's nice to have him around, and I find myself because I am here in my office when he's here. I'm able to close my door and sit and do work. So really, he's been a productivity. Uh, measure as well. That's a good tip. <laughs> Bring your dog to work. Um, so I've got just maybe a few more questions yeah. before we get to the rapid fire section. Okay. Which is one of my favorite parts. I'm very excited. Um, but so uh, one of the things was, I mean, Jen had said, because your, your journey path was through mm-hmm. athletics and your outlook is, is pretty unique. So I just wanted to know for like your, how many years into your gig or into kind of your career as a student like Um... Seven seven years, I think. Yeah, so seven, seven years. years. This is my se- oh, this month is like very in the next couple of days. My seventh year anniversary of Ryerson. Well, I hope someone's got a cake. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I said. Happened. I hope I said it loud enough that somebody heard me. <laughs> um. So, what conversations do you think we should be having, but mm. should be having, but aren't? Um. Or what questions aren't we asking? With. With work, just as you've been to caucus conferences, you've yeah. been part of different communities, <laughs> and you kind of have seen things happening at Ryerson and other places. So. From your perspective, yeah. I mean, you're seven years into your, your yeah. career, but I don't know. Where are we at? Okay, such a good question. Again, Adam, so good. Um, I So Jen and I have conversations about this quite a bit, but I don't... Um, 
I don't see myself as because of okay so I should I should frame this a little bit differently because of the way that I went through POSAC mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see myself as this typical student affairs pro whatever that is right. um, and sometimes I think that I don't really fit in in some areas in some areas I think oh my gosh this is perfect this is my calling so um, I think the conversations among ourselves as student affairs pros is appreciating that everybody is a student affairs pro yeah and it's the difference in perspectives that really um, enriches what we're able to do right so I think it's there's no one way no and I think Often, um, be the people that, that come up through a residence life background, because their experience as a student is so rich, um, I know I, I look at them and I think, oh my gosh, this is you are the epitome and you embody what it is to be a student affairs pro. Sure. Um, and I think that's so true in, in so many different areas. But how do we um, look at experiences that other pros have and think, this experience is so valuable in, sure. in this area kind yeah. of thing. So um, I think in terms of those conversations, it's appreciating everybody's diverse background and, and how that plays into making our field so special. I totally agree. Because I think if we only ever look at through the lens of the people who were like the traditionally involved mm-hmm. folks, then we're only going to maybe design things that will serve that pot. Like yeah. we need all sorts of folks to bring their perspective to bear yep. on what we're doing here so that we can meet the needs of as many different yeah, people as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally agree. That sounds kind of similar to the shirt. Ma- I'm going to just abuse just the shirt brand. metaphor. Brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like we need to, we need to value it. I need to uh, celebrate it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's happening. I think it's happening for sure. Yeah. I think bit by bit. Yeah. I think we're having broader conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to make any predictions about like the next five to 10 years, where student affairs is going? I don't know. I mean, because I feel like right now our conversation is dominated very much by a few key themes that we're yeah. all trying to grapple with. Every campus yeah. is trying to figure out how they're responding to like increased mental health around mm-hmm. um, race and identity on campus, mm-hmm. around sexual violence and violence against yeah. women. So I think we're all trying to um, to work through that, and there's been some really great collaborative conversations. Yeah. But I'm wondering, if, in addition, what's yeah. going, what are we going to be looking at? I think that stuff will always exist because it's so important. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to see an increased pressure over the next few years um, to be able to demonstrate how our work as student affairs professionals is helping students get jobs post-graduation. Mm. Um, I think that that's going to be, and it, it's starting to be. Sure. Um, but I think that's going to be the conversation and um, and without a doubt in my, I mean, I do CCR stuff. So without a doubt in my mind is the stuff that we're, the stuff that we're doing outside of the classroom is imperative to ensure that students are, um, fully prepared to go out to whatever, whatever their next steps are, whether it's a job, whether it's grad school, whatever. Um, but I think us being able to shift and, and prove how we're, how we're doing that is going to be super important. I one of my favorite kind of the stories to tell the students is that I wouldn't be where I am today uh, if I had just gone to class 
I didn't do awesome in school. I was a B student, like I was okay. Right. Um, but it was my experience in athletics and then in student affairs later in my university career that really put me where I am today. And so I mm. think that's, yeah. Which is, I think, sometimes hard for folks to hear when they've just worked so hard to get yeah. here. And then we're like, okay, but now just being here and doing class is enough. You've yeah. got to do this. So we just keep, I don't know, the game keeps being more and more pressure-filled. Yeah. But and you're totally right. Well, I and I think it depends, too, on, on the program that you're in. Obviously, if you're in engineering, you're an engineering major, you're going to be an engineer. Right. Um, most likely. Maybe not. But that's the the traditional kind of path that you would right. that you would follow. But, um, Yeah. I was in politics. <laughs> I have no plans to be a politician. <laughs> um, okay, rapid fire. Yeah. If you weren't in student affairs, what would you be doing? Oh my gosh. Um, working in HR somewhere. Um, if you could go back in time and tell first year Kate, commuting in from Whitby every day, <laughs> if you could go back and tell first year Kate one thing, what would it be? It's going to be all right. Awesome. What was the last trip you took? Oh. Um, I was some, oh, I was in Miami, uh, Miami and Tampa. I was, we were there for RCI. Oh, nice. Uh, it was great. And I'm going to Paris in two weeks, Paris and Iceland. You left out one other trip you're taking. Next to week. Cornwall. Cornwall. I'm going to Cornwall. You can't leave that. I mean, Paris is exciting. I know. Cornwall. Uh, yeah, on Friday. <laughs> um, so I don't know a lot about sports, but one of the things I do like is pitchers in baseball have a walk-up song. So if you oh, to pick yeah. up a walk-up, walk-up song, what would yours be? Oh my gosh. I've had... Uh, so many, I've said this so many times, um, and I, I think no diggity. That would be my, amazing. that would be my walk up song. I love it. Uh, what was your last Netflix binge? Mm, Narcos. Oh, is that good? I watch Narcos. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's so good. Amazing. I also want to watch The Crown. I just started it. Is it weekend. good? It's real good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite office product? Favorite office product? Um, there seems to be quite oh, a bit of I know, I'm, post-its. I, post-its, but they, I'm so disorganized. I write stuff down and then I lose them. I think my Sharpies. Oh, yeah, those are nice. Yeah, I have like a bunch of small colored Sharpies that I like to write little notes in. If you had to, if you were to write a memoir, what would the title of it be called? <laughs> a memoir? Yeah. Um, you do you. Yeah, thought you were going to go with no diggity. No, <laughs> Maybe. No diggity, you do you. A subtitle. That's always yeah. good. Uh, amazing. So we've come to the end of all my questions. Oh my gosh. The last question, which is part of the whole relay bit, is who should I interview next and why? Oh, yeah. so good. Okay, I'm going to try to uh, recommend someone outside. You know what? I'm going to, sticking with the theme... Um, it has to be anyone in Canada involved with student affairs. It has student, to be student staff affairs. Or faculty. Yeah. But not a formal role, like if it's a student or a faculty or a staff person who's yeah. involved in student life, student hmm. affairs work. You know who I think is doing really great stuff right now? Christina Bartold from okay. Waterloo. Okay. I think she's doing really, really great things. And cool. I would um, I would be curious to hear what she has to say. Most definitely. All right. Cool. Amazing. That's good. Well, thanks so much for your time. Yeah. We have a big event today, so thanks for coming. We do, coming tonight. <laughs> no, all good. If I wish people could see the hustle and bustle, people running around with balloons and food. and It's a wedding. It's, a wedding. it's not really a wedding. It's no wedding. It's a leadership launch conference conference launch. It's a marriage between students and le- leadership. No, next. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, thanks, Kate, so <laughs> no much problem. for your time. Thanks, Adam. All right, bye. 
Well, there it is. Thank you, Jen Gonzalez, for suggesting Kate. We had a great time. I really enjoyed speaking with her. I'm really looking forward to following along with Ryerson's co-curricular programming. It sounds like some amazing stuff is on the horizon. If you want to connect with Kate, she is on Twitter, and her handle is at Kate Asquini, K-A-I-T-A-S-Q-U-I-N-I. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. You can let me know what you think. Just send me a tweet, an email, a letter, a raven, an owl, whatever way works for you. If Twitter is your thing, my handle is at Adam Kuhn, A-D-A-M-K-U-H-N. As always, if you have someone you think I should speak with, please don't hesitate to let me know. I'm always looking for new people to interview. Just want to remind you about the Relay Essay podcast challenge. I'm asking you to think about what kind of podcast you would want to make about student affairs in Canada. Record your idea in a one-minute voice note and send it my way. Try to get them to me by the end of March. Make sure to include your name. Relay Essay theme music is written and performed by Adrian Ross. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.